Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Randomer Nintendo. Uh, I'm Jason, and in, you know, usually we say virtual 14. Uh, usually we say virtual left and virtual right, but you know what? Today we're virtually um, in one of those zero-G airplanes where you float around for like five minutes. So where are you guys positioned around me in this weird space, and are you somersaulting, corkscrewing? What shape are you making in zero-G? Um, just spinning I'm in the restroom. I'm like Sonic, just spin dashing in there. And, and who are you? <laughs> okay, so, Angel, so Angel's Sonic, and Ken, you said you're in the restaurant. You didn't even go up on the plane? Uh, no, I said I'm in the restroom. Oh, restroom. That's a bad time to go to the restroom. You have five minutes of zero G and that, or maybe a good time depending on what you are planning, but okay. Would, yeah. would you ever do a zero G plane for real? I would. I mean, I you would. wouldn't do one of those, uh, they have it at Universal where you basically float in the air like you're skydiving. Yeah, the it's like a reverse skydive. It's like a giant fan that pushes you yeah, up. Yeah, like would you skydive. do I've always that? wanted to do that. I've never done it. What is oh. the most extreme thing you would do? Would you skydive? Have you guys skydived? No. No, I do plan on skydiving, though. My sister has, and it's apparently as terrifying as you think it is, but obviously it seems worth it. But... Yeah, that's kind of where I land is. Um... Ah, I see what you did there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I land. It's like, it seems totally worth it, but I, I, I don't know if I could bring myself to, to do it. Like, same with bungee jumping. I guess it would that. be the ultimate test if you ever need to just, like, I don't know, prove something. I'm sure there's a mental breakthrough in there somewhere if you do it that, like, I'm sure. You know, well, it's funny because right when therapists we could only dream they could solve. <laughs> it's like it's right when we were about to record you're like I said okay I'm gonna count us in and you're like do you have the cojones to do it and I was like I jokingly was like no but now that you're making the skydiving con I'm like I might be too terrified I'm like wait do I need to skydive so I have confidence in life is that is that yeah. where we're going you need to climb that mountain as they say man wow what a what a what a way to start the show is something that deep but anyway yeah. uh <laughs> What is the craziest thing you've done in terms of like a, a thing like that, if anything? Uh, pretty sure it would have to be either a roller or uh, actually maybe kayaking in a dangerous cave that almost flipped. The, the kayak almost flipped, I assume, not the cave. Yeah, yeah, the kayak, of course. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was it like? Rapids or was it? Yeah, what kind of rapids? Like, uh, just in the like. It was near Catalina Islands. The water is typically still, but inside that cave in particular, it was, you know, we were moving kind of wildly, and teacher just wanted to go in there. And, yeah, it was pretty scary. Well, that's probably the most thing, if I had to guess. What about you, Kevin? Does anything spring to mind? I personally don't have anything that immediately springs to mind, because I guess I'm just a weak person. (laughs) But have you done anything up there? No, nothing. Nothing extreme. Nothing radical. The most extreme I've ever gotten is watching an extremely goofy movie, but I don't know if that counts or not. <laughs> it, I mean, that has a lot of tude in and of itself. Very 90s tude, so sure, we'll count it. Cool. Then that is the most extreme thing that I've ever done. No, I. it's... Huh. <laughs> Maybe I just can't yeah, I don't think know. of it, but no, I don't think I've ever done anything... Anything yeah, I can't like think that. of much for myself either. Like, I've done stuff that's kind of, like, out of the ordinary. Like, somehow, two different schools I went to, middle and high school, took us out to basically live on a tall ship for, like, a week and, like, hoist the sails and stuff, which is unique and cool, but not 
extreme unless I like – unless, you know, extreme sports and pirates are one and the same, same thing now. But, yeah, I don't think I've done – I think, Angel, you might win with almost flipping over in, in rapids in a cave. That's so unfortunate. Congratulations on your achievement, I guess, at least among yeah. the three of us. Um, yeah. I think it's easy just hanging out with Jason, but that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm not that extreme as we just established. But no, but sure, it's very that... dangerous to you, to our health. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, I will give you that. Um, but I guess, I guess we can have our little zero G plane, plane land and kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the show if you guys want. Huh. Um, what? <laughs> that, that reaction to meat and potatoes? Yeah, because um, it's there. a big. What I do there? I don't even know why I did there. Meat and potatoes? Is there a pun there I missed? No, I'm just using a metaphor. Oh, okay, sure, sure. I I do like them, but yeah, because yeah. it was a big um, big couple weeks for Nintendo, big day for Nintendo recently. Um, did everyone watch the direct show of hands or verbal I show of hands? I did. I almost missed it, but I did watch it. Didn't watch I? It. What about you, Kevin? Did you? I did watch it. And what did everyone think? <laughs> Actually, before we get to what we think, um, I feel like we should start with the biggies of it, right? Like, before we discuss the show itself and, like, dislikes, like, Nintendo bookended the whole thing with gameplay debuts of Pikmin 4 and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, two games I feel like we kind of knew were absolutely going to show up. Uh, they're kind of like the big pillars for Nintendo in 2023, at least of what we know so far. So... I guess I guess I'm curious if those games stood out to you guys as pillars within the lineup of the direct. Like, what what did you think? Now that we actually know what these games kind of look like beyond just like cinematic teasers, you feeling it? You're not feeling it? What was kind of one's take? I don't ever think of games the way you do. So, like, I don't ever think of like, oh, this is gonna be their pillar for this year. I just my mind just doesn't think in that way. So, oh yeah, yeah, no, I that that I know is weird, Jason stuff. That's dangerous to hang out. With, to hear, I mean, what do you think of Zelda? What do you think of Pikmin? Like them, dislike oh. them, look cool, not look cool. Zelda looks like Zelda. Pikmin looks like Pikmin. <laughs> Great analysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're their sequels. There's not much that <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, Zelda in particular, um, you know, showed some vehicles that almost <laughs> looked like exactly like something that would come out of like nuts and bolts. So it's almost like, oh, yeah. is this worth going? Is this the nuts and bolts of uh, yeah, the Banjo vibes? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. But other than that, like, I mean, I'm sure it's intentional. But like, they kept a lot of things close to the chest, so we almost didn't get yeah. anything new that wasn't in the last game outside of like aesthetics. But there's clearly going to be a twist. If anything, it just made me feel like, okay, where is the thing that's like I don't know halfway through that's going to like just change everything? But, I feel like the vehicles are kind of that. Like, they, I, I mean, they, they kind of are. But the thing is, like. We, people, you know, kind of figured out other impromptu views. I mean, obviously, nowhere near as efficient as what this uh, flying device looks like or this the car. The drone or the hot air balloon yeah. or the car or the, yeah, or, a lot of them now. Or the flying mine car that you just stack two mine cars on top of each other and you get to go pretty fast in any direction. Right. Just requires a little bit yeah. of balancing, but yeah, like pretty much, it's like we've had vehicles <laughs> in Asterix, but... I mean, I yeah, guess having proper because... ones is cool. I mean, I guess I don't know to what extent you build them, if anything. But right, it's funny because I feel like like I was into the like kind of nuts and bolts for the analogy you used uh, vibe of the whole thing. Because like 
admittedly, it's really hard to be a sequel to a game like Breath of the Wild because that game did so much cool stuff in terms of how it reinvented the franchise and gave so much freedom in terms of what players can do within that, like you're saying, that, you know, it was such a big reset for Zelda and that's that's always going to be hard to beat in terms of hyping up a direct sequel. Um, and I I feel like the vehicles are kind of intense because, like, you know, there's typical sequel-y stuff in Tears of the Kingdom. Um, Verticality was big in the first game, so now you can just go all the way up into the sky to Verticality. Yeah, now it's climbing. Sonic Adventure. But, it's, it's grinding everywhere. Yeah, cool. yeah, but it's like the vehicle thing to me kind of – it kind of feels like the developers are in the way that they had to – sort of distinguish Majora's Mask from Ocarina of Time, that kind of feels like what the vehicles are. Like, because, you know, like with Majora, obviously it had the same underlying engine as Ocarina of Time, same underlying gameplay systems of how you interact with the world and the dungeons and everything. So they got kind of, like, weird, right, with with uh, Majora, and they got creative because they kind of needed to because it needed some identity of its own. Yeah. So we got Link doing stuff like what he did in Ocarina, but, hey, he's now doing it as a Deku Knight or a Zora or a Goron. And then, like, let's throw in a time limit because, you know, the other game had this pace. We'll make this new game this other pace. And it's a little darker just to really kind of put the exclamation point at the end of, hey, I'm a different game, I swear, sentence. So it, it, it seems like with with the vehicles, the vibe I picked up on is they saw kind of that people were doing stuff like you're describing. And they obviously had the bike in the DLC. And then they're just like, what if these are the masks? Like, what if, you know, instead of it being like, here's an open world to explore, but now you can climb higher, they're kind of like, well, let's make the game one where you now have fun with how to travel as we decide to present it to you. Like, the first game, really, the way they told you how to travel was just, like, horse and eventually bike. Hmm. But now they're like, what if it's masks? Like, what if there's a car? What if there's a hot air balloon? What if there's a, you know, like, what if there are rails you can skate on like Sonic, which they showed for, like, a millisecond in the trailer? Just the whole thing kind of had this vibe of, like, um... Well, let's, in the way of Mass Effect, let's transform Link for the first time and have you experience the same kind of gameplay but with, like, this different perspective. It's like, well, what if we change how you travel? Because we built this big world and we're repeating the big world. But, like, what you can do to get from point A to, that, to B in that world will be more variety and more crazy than anything you've done at Zelda. Every Zelda at most has, like, one or two vehicles or a horse or a boat. This has at least four in just the trailer. So, like, that that's kind of how I picked up my – I don't know if, like – it's enough because to your point, um, people got really crazy. But maybe for like the more mainstream players, like people like me who don't sit there and do like the crazy physics puzzles to launch myself across the sky in a minecart, like maybe that this is sort of the developer's way of embedding that into the game and making it unique for that reason. I don't know. It's just like that's what I saw. Like when I saw a vehicle, I was like, oh, masks, but with wheels or in the air. So. We'll do. see. Like, we'll see how close it stays to Majora because I feel like even the trailer, it already felt a little more cinematic, a little darker. Um, not, I don't know about that voice actor that was kind of sort of Ganon. I think he's supposed to be Ganon, but there's something about that felt a little overperformed. I don't know, but um, they have that. Is that supposed to be Ganon? I, I think that's the speculation Dorf? it might be. Yeah, right. I forgot to say Dorf. But I think that's the... Um, speculation is that it might be him but like whoever it is like clearly they're going for like kind of a little darker it's felt a little more cinematic so that also mirrors majora so i'm just curious like how majora they get like are there gonna be time constraints are there gonna be like more pressure on things obviously they had the blood movement mm. in the first game but yeah i don't i don't know like how closely they're paralleling majora but so far the vehicles do feel like a parallel to me and I actually really like the vehicles because it's fun driving around and weird things so yeah it's very nuts and bolts though you're right um 
I, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll find out more. I think yeah. the game game's out in May, so we'll probably get a direct in like what, like a Zelda direct in like mid April, probably mid early April, like maybe the week after the Mario movie, just so they let that hype go and then uh, lead into Zelda. I would guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we'll it, see. But what about a, Pikmin? What'd you? Um, mm-hmm. hold on. There's yeah. a there's a rumor that this game is going to cost seventy dollars. It's confirmed. It's not a rumor. It's confirmed. Okay. Yeah. So, I am going to be very interested how this game technically performs. It's gonna perform because fine. <laughs> be, it's gonna perform bad. No, fine. It's gonna be fine. It'll be no one's gonna not buy it for the extra ten. Is my guess. No, no, no. So, I, 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 technical on a technical wise. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because if this game runs, if this game dips even a, a frame under thirty frames, I'm gonna be. Oh, that's that's not cool. <laughs> So I, nope. I <laughs> not for seven I, years I, for seven year old hardware games costing yeah. seven seventy bucks. No, it does sound like to a degree part of the reason it might be seventy dollars is the game is physically too big for the standard cartridge that Nintendo puts out. So it's almost like the expand again a weird Majora's Mask parallel. It's almost like the ex- or well late N sixty four era. It's almost like the expansion pack upcharge. When you got games that use the expansion pack on the N sixty four, because I, it, from what I was reading, it sounds like they have to use a, the the next size up cartridge, which is hard, which is more expensive to produce. And because it's Zelda, Nintendo's probably like, we don't have to eat the cost because it's Zelda. We'll just pass it on. Uh, but yes, that's a good point. That if it's like a Pokemon situation, will that ten dollar difference actually make it m- more upsetting than even what people went through at Pokemon? Yep, which, by the way, Pokemon still sold twenty million. Is like the Fourth best selling of all time, so it's not like that really hindered the game, but yeah, definitely the experience I'm not, I'm not for saying, some hardcore folk. I'm not saying yeah. that like, oh, I wonder if like if like jackasses like me are gonna be. A... <laughs> I mean, in the sense of like, yeah, cool. Pokemon sold sold seventy gajillion copies. That still doesn't change the fact that it runs like ass. Right, um, right. I'm sure Zelda. No matter how much you're gonna cost, it's gonna sell like crazy, but. Is the cost – will the cost be justified? Yeah, no, I get that. Especially the since... On the technical level. On a tech, technical right, level. and I think to go with that the is like also – The is be... obviously going to be awesome. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild ran really smooth. So in theory, if all they're doing is Breath of the Wild plus some more, like it should run smooth. Uh, and if they want – it ran relatively smooth. But, but you're but... saying that this is a larger game? Like physically larger it doesn't necessarily mean what you're experiencing at any given moment is going to be that much more intense. No, but you're GPU saying wise. you're saying that this game is just they need a larger cart for this, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that means like the game that is... there's going to be more on that cartridge, and how well is that content going? Yeah, to that's run? fair. I see what you mean, right? Like how fast can they pull that from the cartridge into the game into the system? Yeah. Sure. Like that's yeah. the, that's my only worry. Yeah. Yeah. I would be. It's weird because on the one hand, I would never have guessed Nintendo would let Pokemon happen how it happened. But on the other hand, Pokemon did happen how it happened and there were complaints but it didn't slow the game down. For like the last few games? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like – I think I was saying this and I was getting my early Pokemon impressions. It's like I don't know if Pokemon doing as well as it's going to do or now has done with those issues is giving Nintendo a pass to now allow those issues or if that was like a hiccup in their usually solid like – QAing, so I guess this is really the litmus test. Actually, yeah, you raise a really good point. This would be the test. Yeah, so um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed that it runs smooth. Um, 
because yeah, we're never gonna hear the end of it if it doesn't. <laughs> I don't mean from you. I mean like every Nintendo fan will be like ah about it, understandably. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a question for all games going forward now, right? Like, because Nintendo obviously scale and scope for a lot of these bigger games are gonna not necessarily. It, it's a it goes on a game by game basis. Like they're they're going to release games that aren't nearly as hardware intensive as you know, Zelda. Like a Mario game will never be as hardware intensive, right? Yeah, and no, I was thinking more like game. Pikmin, which is going for sort of a sort of photorealistic ish look. So I wonder how far they will push that. Like, what sac- are they willing to sacrifice frame rate or things like that for Pikmin Four? Because the game looks really nice. Like that was the other big like pillar, if you will, the direct, and it looked. I thought it looked very pretty, but it's kind of like hmm. Now I'm starting to wonder. It's reminding me of that conversation we had about like, is Pokemon saying a bad example? For what Nintendo get away with, I'm starting to wonder: Are they gonna just get Pikmin Four out the door by that July 21st date, and if they need to patch it, they need to patch it, or like, are they gonna scale back things if they're worried too intent? Like, I, I don't know, because obviously that has a lot of processing power. Because you got your hundred Pikmin, you got this new dog character. Like, there's a lot going on on the screen, so that that'll be interesting to see as well. Yeah, but, definitely looks interesting. But I'm gonna yeah. Well, what do you think of Pikmin, Angel? I'm really curious what you think of Pikmin Four because I know you had some. Hesitations with the difficulty it's, of Pikmin 3. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty shit. Everything else was perfect. It played as good as like the Pikmin franchise ever played. But, um, yeah, you know, mechanics looked interesting. Like, I'm curious to see how, what they do with the dog to make it a nice new puzzle piece instead of like a make things easier button. Right. Um, which the last one I feel didn't really have. I mean, having three. Captains obviously does make certain things easier, but it did make for some really great level design that unfortunately, like, didn't get too or get any more complicated than we expected. Outside of like the DLC, but by the time the DLC came out, it was like already too little, too late. But I mean, it looks like we're getting dungeons back. The only other thing that I'm just curious about is what that night mode was. Because it looks like it's implied that you can explore around, given like the little, little goodies. And if the night is when the monsters are supposed to be even crazier, then yeah, curious how that's gonna play out or how difficult. Yeah, that that, that felt like potentially the biggest shakeup. Because like I feel like, like I feel like when I was watching it, I kept just thinking to myself like, oh my god, finally! Because everything they were showing, I was super happy with what I saw. But like, unlike why I say Tears of the Kingdom, where I feel like they're trying to different differentiate as much as they can. It almost feels like Pikmin's team just looked at a decade, the decade gap since like Pikmin 3 and was just like, yeah, let's just use that playbook. So like, it's very, like Pikmin evolves or grows in a very like linear line, right? Like Pikmin 2 to 3, they both introduced two new types of Pikmin and look, here's a nice Pikmin and I assume there's another coming in for or like they bring in new characters each time. Like you were saying, it kind of shakes up gameplay, but it was like, now there's two captains in the second one. Now there's three captains in the third one. And I feel like the dog I feel like someone at Nintendo is like we can't have four captains that's crazy so they did the dog instead which is just to your point what other way can we change how you navigate your Pikmin around the environment and yourself and yeah, manage they do them show more but than two captains mode, but curious like but they don't show them at, they don't show oh no yeah 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 time yeah it seems like they're replacing the three captain system with the dog is the vibe I picked I mean I wonder if they even like go back to two and maybe treat the dog as like a weird a third, third as like the, the plus yeah or like a boat or a ship that like you could carry the pikmin on yeah but all that felt very like as i was watching it just like oh yeah this is exactly how they do a sequel they change this thing they add this thing and then they increase this thing even the box art 
Like if you look at the box art for Pikmin 4, ever since Pikmin 2, the box art's been exactly the same. You have the three original Pikmin standing in a line, looking dead ahead at you, and then there's just chaos around them with all the new Pikmin and enemies. And every single box does that. So like it's very by the book, which isn't a problem because after you know, Tony's in 2015, we were going to get Pikmin 4 and then releasing Hey Pikmin on the 3DS and then doing Pikmin Bloom on mobile, which admittedly I still really do enjoy. But, like, just giving us the confirmation of here's another Pikmin that's really Pikmin and not Hey Pikmin 2 is, uh, I feel like, all they needed to say. But, yeah, that night thing that you mentioned, that little tease, like a split second, that could be the thing that actually breaks out of that formula. And changes things in some way. Even if it's just like a, the equivalent of the Blood Moon and Zelda. And things are just like amped up for a set amount of time. Like regardless, that is something actually like new to the core game versus being a side mode. Like I guess that could be how they reintroduce the timer. Maybe like at night. Yeah. Like surf- I mean, yeah. just like a straight up survival kind of deal. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm definitely, I'm just trying not to prejudge it beforehand. I'm going to wait for it to come out. But honestly, just hoping that. The campaign is a little longer, at the very least. This is more satisfying, two hundred percent, like Pen Two right. was, because the game I would say was basically perfect. I, yeah, two. I mean, I referenced. Uh, I, I think I actually called it Battle Bingo, but I referenced Bingo Battles a second ago, and yeah, like even even multiplayer in Pikmin Two, I felt was like the pinnacle. Like Bing, I don't even think they called it Bingo Battle in Two. I think it was just two player battle, but like that was great, and then three kind of changed it a little. So like. They go back to what two did with multiplayer. If they make it as long as two, they you know make the difficulty more your fit like that. They have everything they need to make the perfect Pikmin game. So, and they're following the like I said, they're following the formula of what makes a new Pikmin good. Like right off the bat here. So as long as they keep true to that, I think this will be ultimately what yeah. people have been asking for for a decade. The only huge shame is that I thought um, the controls for Pikmin three were like perfect. Like playing with the mm, Wiimote nunchuck yeah. is like the best way to control pikmin and then also having the gamepad and shit between my brother and i just as this like extra map that you can also use to you know rts your way to the level was also really really awesome so it is unfortunate that by default it just feels like we're going backwards but you know that yeah. i'll, I'll yeah. get over that quickly i hope and it looks like the controls were i could try the demo for the pikmin 3 deluxe but yeah, I mean, we know. It's just an unfortunate. It thing. sounds we know for sure they work because they worked well on Pikmin two. So if they just graph that over, we know it will work. But I get what you mean. Yeah, like it, it's can it substitute the? It's one of the few games that really used Wii U well. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean the Wiimo nunchuck. I mean infrared is infrared. It's not going to compare with like the accelerometer, which you have to like reset every once right. in a while. But yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Do do you think? Like, I kind of get the feeling that they know 3 was the pinnacle of that approach, which is partly why not only, you know, are they sort of providing pointer control still, I have to imagine, but also why they dropped the camera down. Like, I wonder if, just thinking out loud, do you think, like, the reason they changed the camera perspective is partly, like, listen, we made an RTS in the best way we could. You had a touchscreen. We can't do that again. So, like, let's make it feel a little more like a third-person adventure game, and then maybe that justifies the control step back or something. Like it kind, they kind of feel like those decisions went hand in hand. Oh, uh, I'm sure there's some correlation. Like there's no reason, yeah. The the change to the lower perspective feels like there's like some other stuff going on there than just aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely feels like they're masking the fact. Because in theory, the other camera feels better suited for the type of game Pikmin is. But yeah, right. That's the same. Yeah. 
We'll see. But yeah, and that one's out, I think, in July now, which is the furthest out game we know in Nintendo's lineup as of today. Um, but yeah, so that, that those are kind of like the two bookends of the presentation. But obviously, there's a lot of stuff in the middle. Um, what what do you guys think? Now that we've kind of gotten the heavy hitters out of the way, what did you, you think of the Direct? Overall, it was definitely one of the stuff like, oh, wow, a lot of interesting games getting shown. I mean, for me, only Metroid Prime and... Um, Mm-hmm. The laden teeth of a laden the ghost trick. Oh, I definitely ghost trick. I would say those three were definitely my highlights, especially ghost trick more than anything. Just because it's just nice to see that game getting game, uh, getting any kind of acknowledgement. And obviously, Metroid Prime is a must get for me already. At least a physical copy. Um, ghost yeah, trick. I, I just hope it does well. Favorite. I hope it gets a sequel or at least some kind of follow up because it's a pretty amazing game. I was surprised Ghost Trick showed up. Like, I mean, it makes sense because Phoenix Wright has had kind of a resurgence in popularity. Same team, sort of a spiritual sibling of a game of sorts. But like, that would I did not have that on any bingo card. That's for sure. Uh, Ken, what do you think of the direct? Anything catch your eye? How you feel about the whole show? Can't even remember it. Well, there you go. Nintendo failed. You failed. You failed, Kevin. Mainly because my memory's bad. Like I, I saw it just casually. I wasn't paying attention to to anything. I just had it off to the side. I mean, for sure, if something stood out, even on on side, you'd remember. You know, if there was like a oh, Persona Six, maybe. Persona Six, oh, you would I know, mean, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, if there's one that really hit you, so it didn't have the heavy hitters for you. It sounds like company they didn't announce any Ace Attorney. I mean, Ace Attorney, any Rhythm Heaven. It was like the I perfect mean, opportunity, but they. It actually really was a perfect opportunity. The shadow drop. Because I think, yeah, well, they can't, uh, how many things are going to shadow drop in one day? Because we got Metroid, we got, just just everything's out at once, and then they don't release anything for the rest of 2023. Done. But no, I do think to your point, this was kind of the perfect direct for something like that. Because one thing I liked about it was, obviously, there are heavy hairs for the broad audience, right? Like, we knew they'd be, like, Tears of Kingdom and Pikmin, as you're saying, you know, that's great, but to be expected. Um, a peek at DLC, right? Splatoon and Xenoblade and Mario Kart. Like naturally, we're gonna get that. Uh, in fact, to go on a tangent real quick, because I don't think we're gonna bring up Mario Kart again. That Yoshi's Island track in Wave Four looks am- spectacular. Like it looks so good. Like the, I love how they just took the title screen rotating island and literally made a track out of it, and then added Yoshi's Island elements, like the little question mark clouds that you, if you throw an eye mat, it's gonna spawn something like in the game. Like it was just. It looked like the most creative track in the DLC yet, and I'm really excited for it. But anyway, the point I was getting at is um, what stood out to me was like if you were a specific Nintendo gamer in the early to mid-2000s, this direct – it felt like elevated in a way. Like in Rhythm Heaven would have slotted right into that perfectly because it's like 2006 or so, right? So it's like right in that era. Like if you – it was – it was a good show for like the masses, but I feel like it was a great show for a specific level of Nintendo fan at a specific age. I mean, we already kind of named a few, but like Metroid Prime, you know, Advance Wars being back on the calendar, uh, what a Ghost Trick, like we were saying, uh, Entry and Odyssey, Bait and Kados, one and two. What was that? Pikmin, kind of. Yeah, Pikmin as well. Yeah, um, even St- remember Style Savvy on the DS? So that weird fashion game that like randomly was at the top of the show like the game's not weird but it's weird that was so early in the show same developer style savvy just a different publisher which is why they're calling fashion dreamer instead but like 
that's from that era. Like the inclusion of all those GBA games, including IPs, you know, people thought Nintendo would never talk about again, like Golden Sun or like Professor Layton, like you said. I mean, it level five in general, never mind Professor Layton, level five in general seemed to have a big Square Enix style presence in this direct after so many years of basically being silent. And they were a huge player in like mid 2000s Nintendo gaming. And that's not even including previously announced games that resurfaced in this one, like Mega Man Battle Network Collection or uh, that Tales of the of Symphonia remaster. Like it, the whole thing was so of that era. But I, I don't know. It just like it's, it, it just really clicked with me. And I think for a subset of people who played a ton of GBA, GameCube, and early to mid, let's say DS, they they were like in that sweet spot with this presentation. And um, even if you weren't one of those gamers, I feel like the variety of what those revived IPs offered in terms of gameplay, combined with the new stuff show, of course, like it really made a very diverse lineup when you compare it to the last Direct where all we got were like, you know, half a dozen farming sims. So I was quite happy with the presentation for that reason. Like it just felt, one, the nostalgia notes were good, and two, it just felt, it felt like... I don't know, just diverse and interesting. And you didn't really know what was going to come next. And there's all these IPs You're like, oh, Bait and Chaos. I haven't heard of that in like 15, 20 years. That's cool. Um, and I, I do think, but well, for, I, I, I guess existed, the first question is, But I never really knew what its deal was. It It's a RPG that was on the GameCube um, and it was card-based. Not like Marvel Snap card-based, but like card-based. Well, kind of Marvel Snap card-based. But um, yeah, Marvel it Snap? was a, I did say Marvel Snap. Yeah, we have to weave it into the episode somehow. I was saying, yeah, that Bar- Bait and Kiss was kind of Marvel Snappy in terms of like you had RPG battles, but you build a deck and you use characters from the deck and that's how you do the battles. And they're real-time battles, but you're using a deck. So it's not quite obviously Marvel Snap, but it's it's card-based. Um, but yeah, it was a GameCube exclusive back in like 2004 and then I think 2006, right at the end of the GameCube's life. Um and I, I would never have guessed that it would get a remaster, but here we are. Um, yeah, I, I do think um, part of the reason maybe why a game like Bait and Chaos gets a remaster now is the, the beauty of a system later in its life cycle. And I, I tweeted something about this too, right after Direct. But the beauty of a system later in its life cycle, and one thing I always appreciate about that, is once a console has a big enough player base to support these types of games... It's a really cool opportunity to let smaller IPs shine and experiment with new things. I mean, Angel, you evoked Rhythm Heaven, right? That, um, you know, on the 3DS, was in the twilight years of the 3DS, they did Mega Mix. Uh, they did stuff like Project Steam in the uh, twilight years of the 3DS, which I know people were like, yeah, what is this? I enjoyed game. it. Yeah, but like twilight years of the GameCube, we got like Custom Robo and Chibi Robo. Like it's these back years of a system is when things get like experimental and weird or little IPs you forgot come back and have a real chance to actually like do well, even if they're niche. So it's kind of cool that Switch is at that point. You know, there's there's like 100 million, actually, you can about their latest financials, there's 122.5, I think, million Switches now out there. So that's a lot of opportunity that I feel helped make this direct lineup what it was which was kind of cool like they were able to go for all these little weird pockets because there's so many people that could pick it up anyway so so it made for a fun show i thought um although probably the most fun and you evoked it angel uh the shadow drops the double whammy metroid prime remastered on the eShop, game boy and gba games joining switch online um yeah it's cool we're getting those but because i've had the ambassador program 
that I regularly took advantage of a couple times a year. And also, right. I keep my Game Boy Color and Game Boy games pretty close to me. Like, I still, if anything, ever since I got the Analog Pocket, I've been playing them a lot more, including Kirby Stilton Tumble, which is going to be added eventually. So, that announcement was, like, cool, but it was like, oh, damn it. Well, it's like, it means nothing to me, but awesome that we finally have right. that at least. If I, I would, something I will... to me, like, it's been, I, when did we talk about it? I think we, maybe it's when we were talking Metroid Dread, but I can finally play Fusions. Uh, Metroid in the Fusions. near future. Yeah, in the, yeah, near in future, the very near like, future. Legally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's cool. Yeah. And not only playing it legally, but Cap. like this, it, yeah, I've never played Manage Cap, but. I'm excited. I never had the opportunity to play Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins. I own Super Mario Land 1, and I jumped straight to Wario Land, but I never got, like, the one where Wario's introduced in between. Um, so I don't remember if that was in the Ambassador program for 3DS. If it was, I never touched it. But now I'm actually like, oh, look at that. I can actually, like, for real just do it. And I think the the thing is, Angel, I know you were saying that, like, you have the Ambassador game. Well, I can't compare it to your Analog Pocket, but I think the thing that's worth noting here is the emulator like what nintendo put in to make these game boy and game boy advance games play on the switch is actually like really high quality really both shadow drops are high quality in terms of like the options they provide because for for switch online for game boy you've got three screen hues to choose from so if you want to be the puke green like pea green or if you want pea soup green or if you want to be like the natural gray or if you want to be the game boy color like palette De- only the default palette. They don't give you the deeper like tint options. But nonetheless, you get the three different options. There's this thing called Classic Feel, which I didn't even know was a thing, but I was reading about it. Did you know the Game Boy didn't actually run at 60 frames per second? It ran at like 59.7 or something. So some games to maximize the limited storage on the cartridge would like flicker their graphics at times instead of doing a full animation because it wouldn't be picked up, but save them some memory. So if you play it on the Switch, it runs at 60 by default so you see those flickers but if you turn on classic feel it will slow it down to the 59.7 or 57.9 or whatever and make it so it looks more like how you remember or how the developers intended and apparently yeah. Nintendo did the same thing with the coloring so if you're playing um whatever screen option you're playing they they're not going with the pixel perfect colors as they were coded in the game they're overlaying something that makes them match the hue as you would see it through the screen yeah, because a common that. issue, I guess, is the games are too bright in reality with raw pixels. So, like, they're really putting effort. There's rumble support in Game Boy Advance games if they support Game Boy Player on GameCube. Like, there's so many little nips and tucks they did. Okay, well, very much appreciated. I do yeah. oh, want to see Wireland 4 on there eventually. I mean, they keep it sure short and I've beaten it many times, but playing it on the TV would be really fun. It was interesting that they went straight to 3. For yeah, well, the only one that I've played. I've never played three, so I mean, maybe there's a reason they went straight. Well, I mean, to one is a Mario game, and I guess two is the only other one, so they really only skipped one Wario Land. Right. So, yeah, so not too many, but yeah, I mean, that is apparently one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin, is it is it good? You said you played it. Uh, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's interesting. That's all it needs uh, to be. The uh. Final character gives me some nightmares, but the final boss gives me some nightmares. But <laughs> so, have either of you actually tried any of the Game Boy games yet on Switch? Or I did. I booted up. Um, I booted up Manage Cap, and I forgot what other game. But yeah, I played it a little bit just to 
just kind of stayed on the biscuit. Oh, and WarioWare. And yeah, it was fun for a couple minutes, but like I already had started a game on my 3DS with Minish Cap, so I was like, oh, do I start over or play on TV or... Yeah, I don't know. I forgot that I had to buy the expansion for this. If you, only for the GBA games. The original Game Boy are included with regular. Well, yeah, I want, but I want to play Minish Cap. And I want ah, to gotcha, Fusion. gotcha. Um, I myself so far only went to go confirm something, and I didn't actually think it would be there to the extent it was. But so if you do want something that's fresh, Angel, uh, Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, one of the worst named games of all time because that's a really confusing name. Either way, um, so back in the day, they had e-reader cards. And you could swipe the cards and get levels in the game. They're all in there. And when I say all, I mean all because the U.S. did not get all the e-reader cards. There were some that were only released in Japan. But all, I think, 30 of those levels, it was like eight pages when I scrolled through it, um, all of them are baked in. So you have 30 all new levels with all said and done. So there is something fresh in there. I, I think they may have done the same thing in the Wii U virtual console version you could buy. But I don't think... If this was ever one of the ambassador games, I don't remember. But if it was, it was not. These were not in there. So there is something. And nor can you access them outside of a Wii U, I guess. So yeah, I, I don't think any of the fresh. advanced games were part of the ambassador program. Yeah. So this is actually like a kind of fresh thing, even if you are Game Boyed out with your other accesses, access points, if you will. Um, and we didn't even mention, by the way, like we're talking about the quality of what they're doing. Like local and online support for Game Boy and GBA is if you use the link cable. Like that's kind of cool. Um yeah, like they really put some effort in, and and I feel like that there's like a duality with the, with these shadow drops because Metroid also really put some effort in. I mean, there are like a million different ways to play it. Like if you if you boot up Metroid Prime from I I don't have it yet. I'm waiting for the physical. From what I was reading, you got dual stick controls. I mean, they straight up said that in the presentation. You've got the original controls. You've got motion pointer based controls, and then if you want to go through the effort of plugging in a GameCube controller to your Switch via whatever adapter. Do a couple control uh, tweaks in the options and turn the button layout, and it works just like the original Metroid. Like, that's a lot of options for playing Metroid. And I think they added a colorblindness uh, mode. So, like, they really, like, these shadow drops, they were very um, meticulous with making sure they're of high quality. And maybe that's because they've been working on them for years. I mean, these were the games that constantly, or projects that were, like, constantly rumored. No, uh, that's actually um, one of the most things I'm most excited about. Just the fact that we're no longer going to get like Metroid Prime Remaster tweets that come out all the time. Because like, oh my god! Like, yeah, you're telling me about that tweet where like, did someone they summarize like what like five years of like Metroid's almost yeah since like 2018. It's like it's going to come out this year. Oh, rumored to come out this year. It's like 2018, yeah. 20. I mean, yeah, there was four different years, and you know, if you say it every year, it's, you're going to be right eventually. But eventually, you're right. Yeah, assuming there's any truth to it which it turned out there was but yeah the whole the fact that after so many years of both that and like the false starts of game boy coming to switch online like they found codes for the emulator like years ago in the source code and stuff like the fact that they weren't just in the same direct but shadow dropped back to back in the presentation seconds apart it really like it's really cool we got them but it also gave this kind of funny vibe of nintendo and i, I think i tweeted this fact but of nintendo basically being like fine just shut up take them be happy here we're done with this take it like, it was just kind of a fight. Like, they just sort of dumped it on us. Like, you know what? Take it. We're, we're tired of this. So um, that that I thought was kind of funny. But it made for a really strong, like, um, afterglow of the Direct, if you will, because that was a lot of stuff to explore. And so many super high-quality games that you could just instantly play, which was kind of cool. 
Not too many farming sins. That was a little concerning. None. The, there was the, the closest. I feel like there we, was one toward the end that I think had farming, but obviously it's not. Mm, oh, certain. fancy life. Yeah, yeah. Fancy They're life all is with like some kinda... extra powers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fancy life island girl with a thousand year trap. I don't remember what it's called, but it was it was a long name. Um, it's basically level five's Animal Crossing mixed with like Rune Factory. Yeah, or Story of the Seasons, or take your pick. Huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like it. I have like one z- sort of zoomed out thought about the direct, and then I think we're kind of done here with this topic. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna say that. Yeah, I think um, it's a nice point to change out of something else. No, um, I want to make. I want to make my point because I, I. I'm gonna make my point. I'm gonna make my point. No, I, I was gonna say that. All right. Or well, okay. I was gonna say that one thing that surprised me with this direct is how actually true to its description. Like, Nintendo actually focused on the first half of 2023. Like, normally, Nintendo would set up a showcase with a given promised time frame, right? Isn't Pikmin but coming in July? Always... Yeah, but they don't have That's any... That's the first half, have... though. You're right. It's three weeks after the first half ends. So, but my point yeah. is, okay, fine. But what they normally do is they drop or tease a couple new first-party announcements that exist beyond that window. Like, they will signal something coming out later in the year, like holiday or fall. Here, they did announce new stuff, but they just kind of doubled down on the original window. Like, the lineup we knew before the Direct already seemed solid for the first half of the year, right? Like, we got Fire Emblem last month, we got Kirby in a couple weeks, Bayonetta Origins next month, Zelda in May. Like, that would traditionally be a pretty standard first half for Nintendo. And then, you know, all these games are million-seller franchises, so it's not like nothing's going to sell. So when would or could think that yeah they'll show us pikmin with a summer release as they did and you know tease out stuff for later in the year but nintendo then doubled their first half like literally they went from four releases to if you include the ones that just dropped like metroid and game boy stuff they now have seven releases all before summer and i think really the only thing that i remember them even teasing out further was dlc for existing games like we saw a hint of what's going in splatoon we know there's another wave for xenoblade we know there's another wave for fire emblem and if you think about even a step further from that, really all the first-party content shown besides Zelda and Pikmin isn't even made by Nintendo's own teams. It's teams like Intelligent Systems or HAL or Monolith or in the case of Advance Wars Way Forward. And I feel like in any normal circumstance, this would suggest they're gearing up for a rather immediate Switch successor. You know, they're moving their resources. But I, I feel like I don't know. Like, Nintendo's in a really unique state of flux today. Like, I... If this was the old Ram Nintendo show where we take it upon ourselves to actually, like, decode their choices and figure out what they're doing, I'd be stumped. Like, on the one hand, we're entering year seven into the Switch's life next month. I mean, Ken, you are talking about how it's getting long in the teeth hardware-wise. And, you know, $70, it better be, like, a perfect game because the hardware is that old. It doesn't have to be a perfect game. It just has to run. Perfectly run. Perfect running. Damn, yes, yes. trying to shove not, things into Kevin's mouth. perfect running. I just need it to not constantly be under. It better not look like Fair. PowerPoint. Fair. Okay. I apologize for overstating your take on that. But, yeah, the point is, year seven of the Switch, that's to be expected. That means the hardware is long too. That usually means we're going to be turning over to a new system. But then, on the other hand, Nintendo just put out those financials and they still think they're selling 18 million systems this fiscal year that's admittedly down a million from their prediction going into the holidays and they're saying they softened it due to um softened demand for lack of a better word um 
but also like overall game sales for Nintendo were down a hair from what they were expecting, which they attribute to I think what they literally just said said was straight up um, lack of variety in their lineup last year, like just not that many. But still, huge numbers they're working with. And you don't really switch to an entire new platform when you're selling 18 million and you have Scarlet and Violet being the fourth bestseller selling Pokemon in seven weeks and you have Switch software collectively. I think it's sold just shy of a billion to date now. That's billion with a B. And, you know, already the game sales on Switch have exceeded every single total on every Nintendo platform ever. Uh, never mind the Switch itself. Like we were talking about that 122 million, which makes it the third best selling system of all time for any company. So, like, they're hitting these crazy numbers. They still have that momentum. And as we were talking about last episode, it's been reported they're planning to increase um, Switch production going into this next fiscal year, which, you know, starts in April, which means they have Zelda in May, probably with a special edition. They have the Mario movie and the theme park to drum up sales. Like, this isn't... What I'm getting at is this isn't a Nintendo that fits the pattern we're used to really whatsoever. Like, this is uncharted territory. So the fact that a direct did legitimately only focus on the first half plus three weeks for Pikmin. Thank you, Angel. Um, but given the fact that they did that and, all, you know, they focused on the first half for all their first party news, the internal teams are basically radio silent beyond July right now. This is the first time I really don't feel like we know what, what to expect from Nintendo. Like the back half could be dead. Some online rumors are suggesting Nintendo's got a really light back half and they could ride out with like evergreens or small releases. Seems like the but most if that's the case, pass. yeah. But if that's the case, like, why put Metroid out in February when you can use it to pad the fall? Unless there's other games, or or maybe they have big surprises. Like, it, in which case, does that mean Nintendo's internal teams are cooking up more Switch stuff on that older hardware, and a Switch Two is actually even further out? Like, it's really the first time in a really long time that there I have such a like up in the air feeling of what to expect from Nintendo. Like, I have no idea. It's New terrain. I have no idea what they're doing, and it's it's interesting that we have reached that point because they're usually very predictable. Um, Man, I'm not ready so yeah, for a it'll Switch be Two. Really see. What was that? I'm not ready for a Switch Two. Well, it seems like Nintendo might not be either. So yeah, but yeah, like to go this is the uh, Steam Deck. That was kind of what I was thinking when you're making the point about like if Zelda doesn't run particularly smooth, like at what point does that hinder? third-party support the long in the tooth hardware do you think maybe you know, they have a hidden hardware under their sleeve for the release of tooth of the kingdom i don't think they have no new shot. hardware they definitely will have a special aesthetic of hardware like they'll put out a zelda special edition it's already been leaked seemingly but <gasps> um there's no way they're launching new hardware with no lead they're not gonna sega saturn this they can't do it with no yeah with time. just like three months assuming, yeah. it, assuming it doesn't get um Delayed? Like, no, no shot. And there's no way it's getting delayed at this point, I don't think. Unless the game, like, breaks or, like, they find some bug that, like, completely is detrimental to the experience. This seems we're inching very close to when it goes into production, like, when it goes gold. I would imagine it would be in the next six to eight weeks. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're hitting that May 12th date. But we will see. Um, Yeah, it's very strange to be in a situation where who knows what's going on. Really, I feel like if I can riff on this for a second, I feel like the whole industry is in this abnormal state of flux. Like, I mean, it's just everything we're used to how gaming has been, like, seems a little looser now, which is kind of fun because you don't know what to expect. But, you know, like the death of E3 that was reported essentially two weeks ago. 
that um, Sony, Microsoft, IGN is claiming Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, who is one of the most vocal supporters of the show forever, are all not attending this year. Maybe we could have predicted that. Like, the, it's hard to restart a show that's been dead, but it does open up all sorts of questions about, like, what's the cadence to expect for how new announcements occur? Like, when do you announce hardware or games or whatever? Because um, you got Summer Game Fest, which has an in-person presentation this year, so that's, you know, go Summer Game Fest. But, like, it's not like every company needs to have as many games. You only have a showcase, like a direct or a state of play. So you just give them a game, and then you're, and then that's it. What was that? Um, I'm just so sorry for your loss. I can't believe, like... E3? Yeah, you're, you're going to have to... Dude, I'm game. bummed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys are probably... Are you going to go to, like... To E3. I mean, it's... It's been dead forever. Yeah, so <laughs> it's why, been there for the long time, as far as I'm concerned. Why are you bummed? I think... A couple reasons I'm bummed is one, like I'm saying, I kind of like knowing the cadence of things. Like I like knowing June's like video game Christmas for a week and I can go to this convention and all the Nintendo people are there that I could potentially bump into because I'm weird. And But more importantly, it feels like kind of a Nintendo happening. Like every the center of Nintendo's world is right there and I can be part of that, which is really fun. I used to always say I really like it because Nintendo goes all out and makes like a mini theme park in the convention center. Like they do really cool booths. They have, like it's just a cool experience. But, like, we have a real Nintendo theme park opening next week, like, right up the street here. So, if there's a time for Nintendo to stop doing E3, maybe this is the time. Like, okay, I have my real Nintendo theme park now. I don't need your little fake one. So, is Um, it just just going to the show floor? It's No, it's it's both. Like I was saying initially, it's also just knowing the chance that there's going to be, like, a lot of fun Nintendo happening. Like, news happening and stuff every June that second week. Sure, but I like that. But and then I like being able to just, experience it firsthand. You're yeah. just assuming that that um we're not going to get that news in June. June could still mm-hmm. very well be E3. Wait, so in spirit yeah. with all these game companies announcing something. And that that's why I'm, that's what's kind of this weird state of flux. I'm saying like we don't know anymore. Like it was always a sure thing, and we do. Microsoft has said they'll do a showcase. Sony has been radio silent. Nintendo last year basically skipped their June thing altogether. They could not direct. Uh, the closest we got was the last week of June, a, a third-party partner showcase that had, like, not a lot in it. Yeah, I forgot they didn't Fest. do something. Yeah, so, like, it, it's just weird because, like, there could very well be, and not knowing is kind of some of the fun of it for sure because I feel like in general, marketing cycles for games are now all over the place, which means... You don't have to be like, oh, that second week of June, I can't wait for something. Like, I'm thinking, you know, like Hi-Fi Rush on Xbox. Like, the way they just kind of surprise released it. You just go on Game Pass and you can instantly play it. And then they let word of mouth carry it and it's been a big success for them. You can do stuff like that now. You can bring back old games. You know, we talked about, like, Last of Us last episode, um, how older games are now, like, as relevant as new ones in terms of being marketed. So you don't necessarily need to have a June with an E3 or summer months to still be excited about what's coming in gaming. And there is still Summer Game Fest for a smaller scale of that. But it's weird not knowing when to expect. It's like not knowing like, oh, yeah, so the Super Bowl is actually this episode goes up on the Super Bowl. But kind of like, so when's the gaming Super Bowl? Is there one? Like you're kind of like building your anticipation towards a thing that may or may not be there. Which is fine. It's just It, it just feels like we're kind of in this weird limbo where we don't really know what's going to happen. I'm sure so. we still, we'll still get stuff in June like. Just because these companies aren't at E3 and they're not playing ball with the ESA doesn't mean that they're not going to do anything around that time. Which is so funny because the ESA, like, they're all members of. So they're, like, not playing ball with themselves in, in, indirectly. But, yes, I, I do think um, 
I do think there will be stuff. It's just Nintendo's is the big question mark because they definitely skipped last year. And at the time, everyone's like, oh, they skipped because they're not going to support Summer Game Fest. They want to support E3. But now they're also skipping E3. So it's like, what what you doing, Nintendo? But um, like weirdly enough, the most concrete things I think we know about Nintendo now is there's a Direct in February, there's a Direct in September, and there's an indie showcase typically in August and December. Like those are kind of the patterns that are now have merged, but even then, who knows if there's any truth to them because they're not anchored to anything. So, which again, there's something fun in that. Something like Hi-Fi Rush coming out of nowhere and getting that buzz is fun. Something like Metro Prime Remastered coming out of nowhere is fun. But um, yeah, it's just weird not to like have like the tectonic plates are shifting and you're kind of just along for the ride or wherever they go, which is fine. It's just different. Um, so that's one thing that I thought was yeah, kind of interesting. Like it's going to be interesting to follow. Now. Well, I guess <laughs> from the podcast side. But, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. is like we maybe indirectly picked the perfect time to not have to like cover gaming in the same way. Because like we would plan – I mean we would honestly plan like, all right, E3 is coming up. Do we do a bonus episode? Like how do we work that? Do we split it? We did that in the early years. It would be like, okay, who's going to E3 a month? How long are we all going? Like there's a lot of like – figuring that out and and getting press passes and that sort of thing. And now it's just kind of like, if things are just going to drop when they drop, we're on equal footing with everyone else in terms of how we choose to cover it. Um, like, it's fine. Like, we were de- – I feel like before we are definitely like, okay, we need to make sure – like, I don't know if I ever even expressed this to you guys, but I think about, like, all right, how do I go about promoting the podcast to ramp us up for around the time E3 press comes out so I can give them the most accurate but also highest metrics so we can get the access. Don't have to worry about that anymore. So like, and it, it's just like such an even playing field in terms of people just listen to what they want to listen to. So, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, also interesting while we're talking about the industry in flux, what is going on with game as service or live service games? Like they're, they're all it's like the the bubbles popping. What's I think. going on with games as a service? Yeah, <laughs> what is it about games as service? So no longer sustainable model, I guess. And it's your point. I think that yeah, that must be it, right? Because no, like for those who don't know, it's still it's a still. Uh, go ahead, Jason. If you're big enough, I, yeah, yeah. If you're big enough, essentially. Yeah, which which it, it's uh, I feel like MMORPG. So it only works if it bubble. does. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like try it, but like be ready for failure. It, it's a bubble and it's popping a little because like for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, in the span of a week, Apex Legends Mobile, Battlefield Mobile, Crossfire X, Echo VR, Rumbleverse, and maybe the one most noble to three of us, Knockout City all announced they were shutting down in the same week. Uh, and, you know, for what was one of the biggest business models in gaming for, like, the last half decade or more, that's a pretty big deal that, like, all of them were shutting down in the same week or announcing in the same week. Um, so, yeah, so that's another one where it's just, like, there was... It feels like there's such this established, while relatively new, established model for uh, how a game... For a type of game that can exist, and just, poof, it's sort of... All dying off now, so except the big heavy hairs. So that's another one where it's like, oh, we think we know how gaming works. We think we know what to expect. And nope, now there's going to be some other revenue model that's going to come in because they also need to find a way to, you know, maximize revenue off the back of folks who don't want to pay a lot of money up front. So if it's not this, what will it be? And we, I don't think we know yet because, you know, it's still too new. But do any of those games shutting down bother you? Are there any you're kind of sad to see go? I'm a little sad to see Rumbleverse go because I was kind of curious about it for a while, but just never got around to playing it, unfortunately. But, of yeah. that list, 
I would say Rumbleverse and probably Apex Legends Mobile were the most shocking announcements to me because Rumbleverse is epic and they have endless money from Fortnite and Fall Guys. So the fact they didn't give it longer or try and man, like, I haven't heard someone describe a game of epic in a while. Well, uh, the, the the developer, but sure, uh, or the publisher actually. I think Iron Galaxy was the developer, but either way, like it's kind of crazy to me. Or no, Ray at Dawn, I think was the publisher. Either way, it's kind of crazy to me that like a game that had that much backing and even apex legends which i think was more internal politics than anything else caused it to shut down like those were big games apex legends was apple's uh uh app store game of the year last year now it's just gone or will be in may it's just it's just odd um hey you gonna miss kevin wait i'm sorry say that again any of those games shutting down you gonna are you gonna miss any of those uh apex i mean like obviously like Rumbleverse. Knockout. not rumble versus uh knockout city is yeah, I think, that, I think that's mine. That hurts yeah, the most. Definitely, too. I do think it's great. So the majority of these announcements are like, yep, we're turning it off. We're keeping whatever money you spent, which you could argue both cases for. Um, you know, it's just going to go away. You can never play it again. But Knockout, I do really appreciate that. One, they're not just like, we're going to fade away. They're going like, they're doing this huge new season send-off thing where they're just going to go crazy with like everything they've ever done is going to be back in the season plus some new stuff. And then when they shut it down, they're going to actually put out a private server version on PC. So you can actually still play Knockout City if you want to continue playing Knockout City. You just have to organize it yourself, which is a lot better than every other game of service game shutdown. Like, I don't think anyone else has been like, here's the game anyway. Because that, that, to me, is what really sucks about this and is most parallel to the MMORPG bubble of, like, the mid-2000s is... When a game trend ends, like plastic instrument games or like the gluttony of first-person shooters in like the Xbox 360 era, like when that trend settles down, you still have what you bought from that trend. You can still play Guitar Hero. You can still go back and play whatever random first-person shooter from 2004 is of interest to you. But with Game of Service Tiles, because they're the service, you know, they pull the plug. That's it. Those experiences that could have become one of your favorite games we put a lot of time to Knockout City. You know, that could never be played again in theory. But at least in the case of Knockout City, they're giving you kind of an olive branch. So I can appreciate that on a very high level. Um, and I'm curious to see what they do next. Because they're not saying – they're saying Knockout City might not be dead. Just that the game in its current form is dead. Like the franchise may live on and may do They just lost their publisher or their – Well, they lost their publisher a long revenue, time ago. So. revenue. It it sounds like I think they were masking it a bit, but they put out like a five six paragraph statement where it sounded like so Valen Studios is a developer and they're small, they're indie. They worked with EA to launch the game as a paid experience. Then they decided to flip it to free to play, and they themselves are managing all the free to play. And I think reading between the lines, they're saying the audience wasn't quite big enough to sustain it. But they also were saying that in order to make kind of a better version of the game instead of just incremental little things on the current game, which in theory means a bigger audience, they don't have the bandwidth to keep this while doing the next. So they're going to shut this down, do kind of a post-mortem of it, and then take those learnings and apply them to whatever their next thing is, which may or may not still be a Knockout City-related project. So that sounds like a lot of sugarcoating to basically be like, yo, you aren't there aren't enough of you to sustain this. But I don't know. Maybe may, they maybe could have kept trucking along if they if they uh, found a way to use what limited resources they have to kind of tweak the current game. But it sounds like it was like either we stop and restart, or you know, 
were dead in the water. So I mean, if they had started the turtle crossover a lot earlier, the game would have been in a much better state. <laughs> yep. That would they would have got more revenue because weren't they like twenty five dollars or something for those skins? The twenty. The twenty. The twenty. That's what's surprising, actually, is they do a crossover of that scale, and they get a license that big, and then they immediately shut down after that. Like, I wonder how much of that Turtle collab was actually, like, the Hail Mary for them, like, the final chance to see if they could turn it around before they turn turn it off. Yeah. We'll never know, of course, but... Meanwhile, though, if you like Valen Studios, um, they did Mario Kart Live, Home Circuit, and they just and they're now doing a Hot Wheels version of that same experience for uh, PlayStation and Xbox. I read the other day, huh. so that they do have enough bandwidth to do that at least. Um, and you can you basically like it's a little Hot Wheel with a camera. You could drive around using your smartphone or uh, PlayStation, or I think it might just be PlayStation, not Xbox actually. But what's uh, kind of interesting on like Mario Kart. The car isn't what you see when you play the game. They are um, actually no, it's just like Mario Kart. They're mapping a digital version of the car on top, so you can have whatever car you want and stuff. So there's like twenty different Hot Wheels you can collect and things like that. But it's uh, it's also one hundred thirty dollars. So there's oh. that. Well, yeah, same price as Zelda's Collector's Edition. But anyway, I think that's all for the direct. Um, any, you guys have any direct thoughts at this point, or did I wear <laughs> this all down? Nothing correct. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at the list of topics to see what else we want to talk about. You guys aren't giving me a whole lot to work with here. Shout out what you want to talk about. There's not it's much a, here. I mean, it's I used to. I was practically talking the whole time last time. But I mean, I what guess I. Oh, no, that, yeah, I mean, like last time I pretty much the whole time. That was pretty much all my topics from the Japan trip. That's true. I That's guess... true. You did a rare thing. Our wavelength, like if you look at our waveforms of the episode, I was like not the highest. <laughs> you were like 80% of it. Let's see. I mean, I guess I could talk about just a little about the concert I went to yesterday. Um, you went to a concert? Yeah. A, a rock show um, for a band called The Last Rock Stars. And it was really cool. It was the process of just getting like a huge showcase of different I guess instruments and styles. It was mainly like rock and roll, but you know there was some piano thrown in there, some violin, some acoustic, a lot of electric guitar. It was it was just amazing. Not to mention just being able to hear like Red Swan live was pretty awesome. But, okay, we should give some context. I have to look this up, and I don't know if anyone else realizes this. They are from Japan, right? <laughs> yep. Okay. Oh, I thought we just edit that context. I thought that was, <laughs> that was like, I thought I thought there was more I was gonna say, and then there was no more as I was reading it. Um, do they do what, so? What is red? What what is the thing you said you heard live? Is that a song of theirs? Is it from something? Red Swan. It's a, a one of the intros from Attack on Titan. That's kind of how it's the worst I, one. It's how I kind of discovered them, but that intro is my favorite one. By, it's the worst like, one. Oh, I'm will. Oh, I I hate Red Swan so much. <laughs> oh, no, I, I hate love Red Swan so much. No, I, I love it. It's. But easily for me, it's like by far my favorite. I would like drop all the other ones just for that one. And I've pretty much been it's, listening I, to I, it I, since we like... Talk, we... uh, go ahead, Angel. And I've pretty much been like listening to it pretty frequently since like 2018 or since like it came out. So And and through that artist, I was able to just like find their other music without really realizing it. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm a fan of this dude. And yeah, and then the concert came up and I was like, oh, definitely going to go see it. It's like not going to miss this I, chance. I... 
the positioning you did of this story, I feel like it was very much like, yeah, so I saw this band. Like, I ended up going to a show last night. I saw this band called Crush 40, and they had, like, guitars, and they had some piano. And then they played the song called Live and Learn, and never mentioning, you know, the Sonic band. Like, you just, like, left out that key part. But, um, so yeah, no, that sounds very fun. So, back to Red Swan. I, I talked about how much I like consistency. I think on my first episode that I ever appeared on this podcast, I talked about how much I hated how Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible uh, cover arts on Voodoo. Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Attack on Titan used the same artist for its first three openings. Come opening four, Red Swan, they used a different artist. And then for opening five, they went back to the same artist that they used for the first three episodes. Uh, openings bull crap and that's why i hate red swan oh that's why i just don't like this i i also just don't like the song (laughs) and i think it's uh very melodramatic Mm. Uh, to me it just felt like it just had the most emotion and also just like i'm a huge sucker for piano it has the electric guitar in there i don't know to me it was perfect like i think until i heard that one like the first like, I enjoyed the first theme, and then the second and third one just sounded almost too samey to me. Oh, like don't you dare like talk like, crap about Sasaga, yo. Like, like, they're great, and I definitely like them, but um, there was a point where I'm like, which one is this one? Is this the first one, the second one, the third one? I mean, they kind of have a progression almost. Actually, I think the first two are literally just one long track just cut in half. Because it almost feels like they just, like, no, they're, they're very, go together. No, they're very different songs. Because um, cause I remember on the soundtrack, I remember listening to it, like, the first one, you could almost get the beginning of the second one, but if you just listen to them back-to-back, it's, like, a same transition. But, um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? I love Red Swan. It's my favorite one. I got to see it live, so definitely super happy right now. Actually, they, no, I think about it, it's not my least favorite one. I think The Rumbling is my least favorite one. Uh, Wait, yeah. where was the show, Angel? Um, The Palladium? Oh, nice! That's a really cool venue. Oh, and cool. and the fact that like Yoshiki, uh, basically the main person behind Red Swan, and I guess had like he would like switch between the drums and the guitar like mid song, just to like do both. That's cool. That's cool. And he also like busted the violin like once. And he also had like a crazy drum solo. Like they, man, they just showed a wide, amount of variety in this. So it was it was super cool. Easily my nice. favorite concert I... so far. And it's like that. You know, I wasn't time. gonna bring it up. But since we're talking music and they're my favorite band, I have to mention Linkin Park has a new song in the year 2023. What? And it's pretty great. Yeah. They are releasing a 20th anniversary of their album Meteora, a box set, uh, in April. And on that box set, which comes with like a bajillion things, like literally it's like five vinyls, four CDs, uh, like a Linkin Park logo stencil – art lithographs, a poster, like it's a ton of stuff. But anyway, on this collection is something they're calling Lost Demos, which is 14 unreleased songs, some of which are demos and some of which can you, are a little beyond. Can you still pick and that up? What? The, yeah, the Meteora. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you can. Yeah. Uh, at least last I looked. Yeah. Um, even the Hybrid up. Theory one, when they did it two years ago, Don't it was available. About that they called it like, what? Don't care about that album. Oh, I'm just saying, my point was that one was available well after launch of it. So, um, yeah, I think you get Meteor, no problem. But it's a really cool set. But the cool thing is one of the songs which they're now releasing as a lead single and is, like, getting radio play 
and is number one on iTunes at the moment. It's like 2003 all over again is a unreleased Finnish song from the Meteor Sessions called Lost with new vocals by Chester. Uh, well, new to us. They were from 2003. But it's a whole Finnish song. It was done. They had a 2003 version. They decided it didn't quite fit the album. And then what they did is to re-release it now, uh, Mike Shinoda, the other singer in the band, for those who don't know, the rapper uh, and producer and every other thing involved, uh, he basically remastered the song to be a little more like fitting for contemporary times in terms of like the levels like how are the electronic elements versus the guitars or stuff like that. And yeah, it's like on the radio, like every hour here in LA. And it came out yesterday and it's actually, it sounds straight out of that era, but like a little more poppy and modern slightly, but it like really, yeah, I'm I'm a very happy Linkin Park fan because I did not think I would be hearing fresh Linkin Park music, let alone getting 14 songs, many of which with vocals we've never heard before. Some are demos, so I expect the mixing to be meh. But, like, there's at least a couple on there that are, like, full finished songs, it sounds like. So. Yeah, look at you. It was very spoiled. exciting. It was very exciting. Yeah, because I knew they were doing the box set. Like, that was rumored. That was leaked. But then they're just like, oh, and here's a new song. I'm like, what? And even the music video is really cool. What they did for the music video is it because, I don't know if you guys remember from the Meteora days, but, like, one, there were all those, like, anime music videos set to Linkin Park, right? And then Linkin Park kind of dipped into that themselves, and a couple of their videos had some, like, anime influence. So this one, they had a couple artists make original, like, anime-style animations. And then they trained some AI off those animations. And then they applied the AI to one of their live concert films from that era and basically animated themselves using this original art that's in the video as reference point for the AI to make the anime versions of the band. So they're able to do a video where they have, like, Chester and the rest of the band, like, looking like they're from 2003 – because it's using footage from 2003, but they put it through the lens of how the rest of it looks with this anime, so it feels like it's, like, modern or, like, new or whatever you want to think of it as, which is kind of a cool use of AI because they're still hiring artists and doing original work from artists, but then they're kind of playing with technology a little to make something old new again at the same time. So, yeah, so it was a very exciting day yesterday for me. And it's, by the way, like, peak Linkin Park. I mean, I'm talking, like, you know, Chester saying, then they have Mike Snow in the background doing like the whispers of what Chester said. You know what I'm talking about? Or just like, oh, I'm in pain. And he's like, so yeah, much pain. You know, like that the, sort of thing. Like it's so prototypical Linkin Park. Meteora is, is my favorite Linkin Park album. It's my first, yeah. it's more like first, mediocre. It's the first More like album you're wrong. I ever bought. <laughs> Actually, yeah, my, between, uh, hmm. there's like three albums that I, that I don't remember between which three, which was my favorite, which was my first album. But I'm pretty sure. Numb was the first music video I ever saw on Linkin Park. On Linkin Park on on MTV. Yeah, it it I feel like I feel like like they were big with hybrid theory and in the end is what are based on but me yours where they like really like peaked in terms of like their scale and reach and yeah. And I say that as someone that does it. I, I think that I, I know we debated this before, Ken. I think Thousand Sons is their best record. But um Yes, Meteora definitely holds a special place in my heart, too. And it's really cool to get new music from that time. That's like it felt like I was back in it felt like I went back to 2003, but it also felt new. It was so weird to listen to. Like, I don't even know, like just like the nostalgia for something I've never heard. It was really interesting. Um, but, yeah, if anyone's interested, it's called Lost, the new song, and it is available now. And wow, not even sponsored. 
Well, all right. Not even sponsored. And because it's not sponsored, here's a complaint. So I bought the Super Deluxe box set. It's $200, whatever. Don't judge me. I'm a big Linkin Park fan. Um, but it doesn't come with a download of the single. So you get the whole box and they're like, yeah, we'll give you a download of the whole thing when it comes out, all 95 tracks or whatever. But if I want the single, I either had to buy it separately or just stream it or like, like I have to like – I can't get an MP3 of the single legally without paying more on top of the $200 that I already just put down before tax. Like what? That makes <laughs> a lot of sense actually if you think about it. No, it doesn't. Every Everything you get usually an instant download of the single. So I don't know if that's an oversight or what, but – Mike Shinoda, if you're listening Did to this, I'm sure you're not. Did it happen with the one for a hybrid theory? No, they gave you an instant download of the one of the unreleased songs on the spot. Gotcha. Because yeah. I was about to say, and in they, this day and age, I don't think I don't know how much anybody would care, considering that you can just go to Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon I know. Music. Like, I just really like. I'm super as you well as you know because you've been making fun of me about. It, I'm super very much into <laughs> like the data around my life. Like I check in everywhere on Swarm. I use like last fm to track my listening and it bothers me that like if i have lost and i stream it from apple music only once i get the file in april and it starts counting in my itunes app or my apple music app like how many listens that listen counts wrong because i've been listening to it since february at that point so i want the file now so i can start the listen count now and what do i do with these listens ca- listen counts absolutely nothing and what do i do with my check-ins barely anything but i like having do, them i like you remember last fm I have last FM. I still use it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's the only place. Yeah, but I would but that's really the other like thing is your counts. Yeah, but then they're like out of syncs, and iTunes will say one number because I have the file in April. But then if I do it from, but I do have last FM. I still use it. I could tell you right now, my top listened to artist on last FM last year, I think, was the weekend. Like I have all this data. I do nothing with it, but I like having it. It's like automatic blogging almost for me. Like I could go back and find what I listen to at any given time or whatever. I'm such a weirdo. No. Yeah, you are. Uh, when I realized that uh, you checked into the Tacos Gavilan that we would go to all the time, that's where I was like, I've known this guy for many years now, and it just hit me that he's weird. That's what took it? Everything else I've done in front of you over the years was like, yeah, this is normal, but the checking into Taco Gavilan is where I was like crossing the line. Yeah, that's that's where I was like, okay, this guy needs help. That's really, that's interesting. Um, and I probably do need help. Here's the thing about checking in, which is to me kind of crazy about it, is I was checking in with you at places, like physically on my phone doing it, and you never noticed. Ever. Not that no, I'm saying you I, like creep no, on people's no, phones, but like you I, never I noticed. Ab- no, I would absolutely know. I know that you've been checking into places. But like Oh, it's just that I checked to, in when there. We go to, when we go to like a fast food place, you know, right after one of our recording sessions. I'm thinking you're just going on Twitter. I'm not thinking you're going to swarm and, you know, checking in. But think about all that valuable data. Like, you now know, collectively, we went to, I mean, like, the McDonald's she, by his own really house. person of stock, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. By the time anyone that wants to stalk me sees it, I'm already gone. <laughs> like, you okay, have to so, be with me for it to be relevant. So, oh so question for you. on On swarm. Yeah. Do you have to be near the location for you to be able to check in? Uh, not exactly. You get more coins that do nothing. Uh, they still have like a little economy in there that they drop, oh but God. you get more coins if you're closer. But no, you can check in pretty much. So anywhere. if I really so wanted to, I could be mayor in. anywhere? What? 
If I really wanted to, I could be mayor anywhere if I'm just persistent enough and just keep checking into places, even though I'm not if there. If you're a dick like that to us, authentic What are you, users, the mayor of yes, again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to start listing off things because I don't need people just waiting for me there and being like, oh, my God, it's your podcast. No offense, listeners. I would love if you did that, but also that'd be creepy. Um, I'm mayor of like the most mundane things. I won't tell you which ones, but I'll name a few places, sure. Uh I can't believe we're doing this. I mean, I can, but I also can't. Um, let's see. Hold on. Sorry. I was not prepared for this. I needed to grab my phone. Okay. Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm here 40 places. No. Wait. Bed Bath & Beyond. He's probably checked into a few. I have. I will not deny that. I am mayor of, uh, most recently, a Habit Burger. Flavor I'm mayor Tom? of a Sweet okay. Green, a Tender Greens, a Fresh Brothers, a Subway, a Rouse, a Jersey Mike's, an A5 Degrees Bakery, a Chick-fil-A, a Shake Shack, um... My wedding venue, because who else would check into a private venue before they're even at their wedding? Um, Jimmy John's, a bagel place, a Walgreens, a Petco. Why are you confused? An Auntie Annie, an Auntie Annie's pretzel. Oh, uh, okay, I see how. Um, an animal hospital because we had to take our cat to do some surgery a few times. Uh, a wing stop. Basically, all the chains, all the chains. I'm, I'm, I'm mayor of the most generic, like fast casual chains. Three subways, as in three different subway restaurants, huh? And a McDonald's, and a Cold Stone, and a Starbucks, oh, and some other stuff. An Italian restaurant, a you coffee need, bean. You need to rest. I need help. I need help. Yeah. This is my plea for help. Anyone who is able to get through an hour of Nintendo Direct conversation gets to hear this plea for help, and that means I really value you helping me, whoever you are. Uh, you use, uh, I it's, assume, a personal email address for this. What? <laughs> I, I, know, I, I know how I know how we're gonna get you help. No, I, we're not gonna start airing my email. First of all, if you really want to see, if I, anyone no, wants not, to really I wasn't help asking me, for your email. I wasn't asking for your email. I was gonna say jokingly, but not. If you if you do genuinely think that my life logging is in need of help, um, one, you're wrong. Two, this isn't an intervention. I swear. And three, uh, there is a link to e- to contact me on our Ramtel website. So. You can also find me on Twitter at JSR7, but please don't. Please don't intervene. Let me live my weird data-driven life. Not even data-driven, data-driving. I'm driving data for others. I mean, I will, I do you admit that weirder? it has been handy from time to time when I asked Jason, like, when was the last time we were here? And he's like, oh, I can tell you exactly. And it's like, I don't know if I need it exactly. I would have been happy with, like, two years ago. But... Well, the the way it's actually been useful, there have been times, like, where did we go after we did <laughs> yeah. X, Y, or Z? Like, what was that restaurant? And I'm like, oh, it's this restaurant, because I could just look at that day and see. Um, it's rare. I jokingly would be like, God, we've been, we haven't been here since, like, 2019. But, um, yeah, you have definitely at least three or four times actually asked me to, like, look something up because you remember we went to someplace good or something on whatever day we did that other thing. Yeah, there's so. only three things I ever learned in life. Taxes, death, and Jason checking into a fast food restaurant. Correct. And I will let you guys know. I'm just going to pull up the numbers again real quick. Uh, these like check-ins are, are totaled. Um, yeah, well, it's death, taxes, and... What is the real expression? Okay. Disappointment? Heroin use. <laughs> Her- yeah, there we go. Or the punchline always a joke. Or the third one with the joke. I think it's also always a joke. For what it's worth, I've been on Foursquare since I think like 2009 or 10, which then became Swarm. And to date, I have checked in, oh boy, 11,597 times. Damn. Ooh. Yeah. That's a lot of swarming. 
Uh, it's, yeah, I'm swarming. It, it, there's a map that like shows you where you checked in in your city or whatever, and it's like just orange dots everywhere. Like I'm, it's like it's, it's actually kind of cool to like visualize. Like I like visualizing data, so it's kind of neat. Uh, for comparison, oh, that's interesting. I guess I've only tweeted. I've tweeted less than that, but um, Twitter removed your total tweet count, or maybe they never showed it. I don't know how many times I tweeted. It's gone. Thought they used to show that. But definitely have checked in more than I've tweeted. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least we'll count on that next time. Maybe I'll ask you today, later on, about certain restaurants. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, just quiz me, essentially. I, I am your... Um, Remember back in the like when we were kids before like, the internet really blew up, you had to like if you need to look something up, they had those encyclopedias and you were like you just go into like your school library or something, they just had like fifty books A through Z yeah. and you just look up what you we need. Have the I'm basically that for where you've been. You just be like, I'm looking for like what was this place? And I think it's like maybe it started with a D and then I'll find it. I'm the Encyclopedia Britannica of where we have been in life together. Yeah, everybody needs one. Exactly. I'm useful is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm weird, but I'm useful. That's why we keep Jason around. And that's why I'm around. Yep. That that's why I have friends is my Man, most likely weird, but the only I'm reason, but yeah. I mean, it, 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 it seems like a really good place to stop the show, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, before we get too deep down this rabbit hole. Um unless anyone had anything they want to talk about. Uh well, I want I mean, to talk about the fast yeah. hand trailer. I've yet to see it, but why is it four minutes long? <laughs> I, think I actually ran it think... yesterday. I think the uh, I think the Fast Nine trailer was like five minutes long. Why? That's that's a short. That's like a short before a Pixar movie. Why is that just a trailer? That's like just, that's eighth that of the Jason. movie. Jason, F nine. Yes, Angel. Are you yes. about to defend? Load, Fast up, load, up, load up the trailer right now. It, re- it, it literally right. needed all those minutes to get its point across. Otherwise, I would oh, want... I know Jason Momoa rolls... <laughs> I know Jason Momoa rolls in like halfway through on a motorcycle. All I know that like, by the time I was done watching it, I felt like I had seen the movie. That's what I'm saying. That like, that, that, that that's, that's, what, that's becoming more of a problem with trailers in general that they show all the twists, but like, if you're this long. So you want me to watch it while you're talking? Uh, yeah, you can watch it. Um, okay. I feel like... I'm going to have some conflicting sound here. I doubt Should it. I give a commentary as I watch? Yeah, sure. Yeah, please do. Uh, All right. This is Jason trying to live stream. Take one. Who? Oh, is that his mom? Wait, who plays his mom? Why she looks so Rita, Rita Moreno. Yes. The, That's so she, she is playing though. Dom's mom. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's no, it's just like it's I would not. The stuff. casting they get for this franchise is all over the place now is what I mean. Um. It's really hard to give like commentary, except it looks like they're in Italy briefly. So he's oh, related to really cool. Aquaman, or oh, they are in Italy. It looks like they're in, in Rome. In part nine, no, he's re- he's re- he's related to John Cena. Then, then why is Aquaman? And now they're back this? in Brazil. That's like Fast yes. Five. Yes. Just keep wait. Watching. Is this whole movie? Hold on. Just they're keep, showing the just, bank heist. Is this whole movie like they angered someone watching. for a split second in Fast watching. Five? So now they need to do a whole other movie. Like, just Jesus keep watching. Christ. Okay, yeah. they're officially out of ideas. This is the last movie, Jason. It's part one of the last movie. There's two last movies. You're telling me that the movie series that has more retcons <laughs> than the DCU is running out of ideas? <laughs> the thing that I'm perplexed by, so there's a split sec. If I understand this trailer correctly, which granted I'm still watching, there's some really great explosions. I'll give him that. Oh, and the jump off the bike, that's cool. Uh, but 
Look at that car flip. Anyway, while I was it's probably the gang at it, so let me make sure I understand the premise. The premise is in a split-second shot in Fast Five, they showed a random car getting hit by the vault they were carrying, and the car fell off the freeway. And normally no one bats an eye at that in a movie. But now the entire plot of this one is the dude whose family was in that car actually is a cartel like drug lord or someone in yes, power so, and he's going to seek revenge on all of them. So Jason Momoa is the son of the villain of Fast Five. Okay. That's at least a little better than just here's a random car we hit. And he's going for revenge. Which is the third time that I think that they've done that in this series. Yeah. Maybe the second time? Second time. Because the first time they did it was in Fast 6 going into Fast 7 where Jason Statham was getting revenge on Dom's crew for, like, hurting his little brother. Oh, right. And John Cena's in this. Oh, man. Are they really using Ride or Die as the movie's tagline? Because that's kind of perfect but also ridiculous. I'm going to go with I will say perfect. These movies, while they are you can ridiculous, hate these they're very movies, good man. at being ridiculous. You know? I don't know. I just don't know how you can hate these movies. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. They're very good at being ridiculous. You just go – you turn off your brain and go along for the ride, no pun intended. And this looks like – are they about to jump cars out of a plane right above – oh, man. Spoiler alert for the trailer. It, it wouldn't be the first time that they do it, so. But they, ju- they did it like – yeah, that's true. They've done all this before. Are they going to space in the next one? Is that happening? They've already been to space. Oh, Spoilers to be honest, Fast I have 9. not watched the last one. They, they go to space in, in, in F9. I'm sorry, not yeah. Fast 9, F9. You could say this one is more grounded compared to that one. I mean, to be honest, it does seem more grounded in a weird way. Is that Brie Larson? That is Brie Larson. What is going on with this movie? <laughs> this is like, I'm going to, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think we should do a Ram Nintendo outing to this and then talk about it on the show after it comes out. For for Fast Ten, yeah, I don't know if they're calling it Fast X or Fast Ten. Are any of you actually watching it in theaters? Hell I, yeah, dude! I'm. These I am down to do pure, an outing. Are pure, like, I tw- I tweeted about this. Um, I can't hate these. <laughs> they bring me such irrational joy. They're really good at ridiculous. Yeah. And granted, I haven't seen Fast Nine, but I remember Angel. I think we watched. Yeah, the fact Fast they took out two helicopters and had a car. fun time with it. It's pretty, pretty funny. Well, yeah, I, it's superhero movie. If I point. remember correctly, The Rock took out a drone with an ambulance. So totally oh, yeah. plausible. And they punched a missile. You just need enough inertia, enough height, a low enough drone, good aim, gravity to not exist quite how you think it does, and then it's doable. Yeah, totally. I love this series so much. <laughs> it, they're so stupid. I, I, I dislike anybody who like, you know, turns their nose to this. No, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, a friend of ours, uh, for your guys' reference, Gilbert and I saw. We got to see an early screen of Fast Five, and we had a ball, and that got me really like into the series. I have somehow missed Fast Nine though. I need or F Nine. I need to go back. But um, yeah, no, they're 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 fun in such an over top ridiculous like just popcorn flick way. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it sounds like there is, I guess, a reason to go to the theater this year. I mean, there's another called Mario, but okay. Oh, all right. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm so excited for the Mario movie. I didn't think I'd say those words when they first announced Chris Pratt. Well, but it's been in I general, I'm like, really? 
I don't care about the voices anymore. Like, it just looks so good. I'm not going to spoil anything, don't worry, but it just looks so good. That's what like, a schizophrenic also says. What? That's that's also what a schizophrenic says. I don't care about the voices. I don't care about anymore. the voices. It looks so good. <laughs> um, yeah, but in this case, I just mean the, the yeah, I mean exactly what I said, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, on that note, I guess, I think we can call it a wrap because I don't think we're going to top that line that you just said, Kevin. So, best place to find us is uh, on the internet. We are on all the podcast apps if you want to listen to us. You probably already are on one of those. How else would you hear us? But you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, our YouTube, TuneIn, um, Pandora, that's all I got. Our YouTube is at Random Nintendo. Our Twitter is at Random Nintendo. Our individual Twitters, in case you want to hear. We have all gotten in the habit, and I started it, so I will admit it, of being like, hey, as I said on Twitter to people, we then proceed to tell to follow us on Twitter. But if you want to get the inside track on what we'll say on the next podcast, as we say it on Twitter first, you can find me at JSR7. You can find Kevin at KVN Gomi. You can find Angel, who is probably the best at not doing that pattern, at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, Kevin, do you want to give the final word? I'm really glad they didn't call it Fast Tinder Seatbelts. 